Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. For pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We'd play some competitive sports once in a while, would it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. Mike and Jesse with you today. We're shot out due to car issues. Whole first hour, if you missed it, will be up on the Les Schwab Tires podcast at 1080thefan.com and radio.com app. And uh, we talked about the Oregon win, the Oregon State win. We talked about cars, even though I had nothing to add to the conversation. By and the way, if, you, if anybody a little needs Patrick to Mahomes. do a little bit of work on, on your engine or rebuild your engine, Portland Engine Rebuilders on 11th and Hawthorne, I believe. Awesome. They did a great job. I had, to, I had to take my engine back and get it done by a second place. I won't say the first place that messed it up, but they did a great job. There you go. And affordable. So if you uh, missed anything, you can listen on the Lash Hub Tires podcast for the first hour. It'll be posted after the show. This hour, we got Hater to Love It coming up at 1030. We'll talk a little Oregon Lottery scoreboard app at the end of the show. And we got some Russell Wilson and Seahawks talk coming up next. But we will start with Marcus Mariota. Mariota, if you remember, we used to have to pronounce it that way for a week before we all realized that that was a mistake. Uh, he got benched by the Titans and uh, frankly deserved to be benched after how he played against Denver in that game too. But uh, got benched against the Titans and Ryan Tannehill named the starting quarterback, at least for now, moving forward. And... I want to start with the Titans specifically in this situation. I think Mariota will likely play again for Tennessee this year for a couple of reasons. When you bench your starting quarterback and the backup comes into a really bad situation, he oftentimes gets hurt or will also underperform and lead you to flip-flop back and forth every single week. Well, let's face it. Tannehill also likes to throw a little INT here and there. Yeah, I, I think Tannehill is a good backup Uh I think Tannehill has potential to be a starter again in this league. I I, I always kind of liked him in Miami, but look, the Titans are not a well-made team. Their offensive line was supposed to be good. It's dreadful, clearly. Uh, They still have no wide receivers. They've never had wide receivers that uh, when when Mariota was there. The only guy they've had is Delaney Walker, and he has not been able to stay healthy the last few years. And their defense is fine, but they're not built to help a quarterback succeed. They're just not. It's just not how they're built. And because of that, I think you will see Mariota again for the Titans. I think you will see him come back in and play either due to injury or just get the starting job back again. And frankly, he might do well with it too, because he's had some good games this year. Mariota stat wise, at least has had some good games. Now, if you've watched the Titans enough, 
stats don't mean everything. You've watched him make a lot of poor decisions on throws. You've watched him make really bad throws when guys were wide open in the end zone. You've watched him hold on the ball for too long. You've watched him throw the ball too quickly. Uh, he He's just kind of a nervous guy in the pocket now. And I think it's it's easy to be nervous when so much of uh, so much of what you've dealt with in your career is a bad offensive line, and you're always under pressure, and you're always getting sacked. But he just hasn't proven it enough over and over again that he's good enough to be a starter in this league at this point. And I'm not surprised that Mike Vrabel benched him. No, it's it's not a surprise at all. And it. Somebody at some point has to be a scapegoat as to why you're not performing. And despite the fact that the the lack of talent around him, um, the the lack of an ability to build a roster that works together, like in cohesion, like finding talent that works with your scheme, that blends with your quarterback's talents, um, they have not been able to do that. They've shown an inability to do such things. And and so somebody at some point has to take the blame. And so despite the fact that Marcus Mariota has only thrown like two interceptions in the red zone his entire career, which honestly to me blows me away. That that to me, that that stat line itself is just unfathomable to me that he's play he's in his fifth year and he's only thrown two interceptions in the red zone and he's Every game he's been healthy, he's been the starter up to this point. Like, that blows me away. He takes care of the ball. Sure, he's he's not a great quarterback, and he's definitely regressed. But is that regression his fault, or is that a lack of coaching? Is that a lack of talent? Is that a lack of offensive line? We saw this with David Carr all those years ago. First overall pick for a Houston Texans. What did he turn out to be? Nothing, because he was sacked 68 times in a season. Then he sacked 69 times in a season. And the guy every single year is the top sacked quarterback because the offensive line's so bad. We just had this conversation last segment. You need an offensive line. You need one. A quarterback is never going to be the same without an offensive line. So, sure, he's going to get it. He's not an elite quarterback. He never will be an elite quarterback. But does he have the ability to be a guy with a strong defense, a good running game, and a couple solid receivers to lead a team to a, a, a playoffs? Yes, he's done it. But this team continues to regress. He's never had the same offensive coordinator. Continue to turn offensive uh, head coaches through that, that team, and let's see what happens to our quarterback. He's going to regress every single year. So moving forward for Mariota, I think it's very important that he kind of does the Teddy Bridgewater route. I think he needs to be a backup on a good, well-run team and take advantage of an opportunity if given to him due to injury. Teddy Bridgewater is playing very well in the absence of Drew Brees and will likely at the end, I don't know if it's the end of this year or the end of his contract, will get a, get a shot to be a starter again because of that. Because before his really gruesome knee injury, Bridgewater was good in Minnesota. He, he was showing that he had, he had some talent and, uh, it's still there, and I think it's good that he went to be a backup first to kind of get used to being on a team that actually has run well and change your environment a little bit, and uh, and yeah. So I could see him. Oh, there's the Edmonds touchdown for you, Jesse. Started him on the last second lark. I played him. <laughs> um, 
I'd love to see him go to a place like New Orleans or New England or, you know, I, I, I would say Pittsburgh normally because, you know, Big Ben's coming back next year after his injury, although they've had some issues the last few years. But, I mean, Pittsburgh is a good organization. It's a good franchise. You can kind of learn a little bit how to. Uh, I think that's a honestly, that's one of the that, it's that's a good one of situation you could get. I yeah. just recently they've had some issues and they currently don't have a ton of talent outside of uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner, which I guess is more than he has in Tennessee. So uh, I digress. Um, he needs to go to a situation like that. He should not try to go be a starter right away on a team that's had issues. Honestly, like the Denver Broncos, I'd love to see him be a Bronco as a Bronco fan and a Mariota fan, but I don't think Denver is the right place for him. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have a ton of skill position guys that will help him, uh, especially in the wide receiver spot. That could help him moving forward. I don't want to see him go to Miami or I don't want to see him go to Washington or all those places where he can start right away. That's a bad situation because we've seen him in a bad situation and it hasn't worked out. He needs to be a backup for a bit and get his chance later on, I think. And well, he might and you might succeed with it. We, when I I'm having this conversation this last week because he's definitely popped into my sports conversations over the week. And you think about what what do we just talk about? He needs an offensive line. He needs a, a coach that understands what his strengths, what his weaknesses are. Um, a guy that can be creative with good receivers, strong running game. You bring up Pittsburgh. Yeah, they have their flaws, but you still got a, a probably a number one in Juju. He hasn't had this, but you know what? He hasn't had Big Ben this year. Um, I, I think you still well, got when he did early in the year. He still didn't. He still anything. wasn't great. No, but I, I think um, you're finding out. I think Deontay Johnson has some talent on the outside. I think James Washington's a vertical threat. James Connor is still a good running back. And I think what is most important is they've always had a pretty solid offensive line in Pittsburgh. And as much as I, I hammer on Mike Tomlin for being a guy that has no idea how to coach a culture in a locker room, right? That, that, that's one aspect of coaching that is very important to head co- uh, head coaches. That's why this blew up, right? You you allowed um, uh, Antonio Brown to go off the deep end year after year after year. You never reined him in once he started going off the deep end. You 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 never you know you allowed your quarterback to call out your players. You, Le'Veon Bell, you didn't appreciate him. He leaves. You just let all this stuff happen. But the one thing that that Tomlin does that makes him a still a great head coach. What did he do last week? He, he brought in Benny Snell, James Connor runs the wildcat with Snell, like all of these different things. He he's doing the same thing that the Broncos did when they made the playoffs with Tim Tebow. All right, we're going to play Tim Tebow. Guess what? We're bringing the wishbone back. When's the last time you saw the wishbone in the, in, in the NFL, like the sixties, he's bringing it back because that is the strength of his quarterback. Tomlin is the, has the ability to do that with a guy like Marcus Mariota. And, and that's why it's a perfect landing spot for him. Strong offensive line. You still have skilled players. And you have a coach that can be creative with your quarterback. And what I think is so great about that, I don't know if you could do anything better for your culture in that locker room than bringing in a guy like Marcus Mariota. It might be true. The only question I have about that is people rave about Mariota, but he still is a bit of a quiet leader. So, you know, he brings a good culture and people like him, but he's not necessarily – get in your face you don't need raw, a raw raw guy. guy but you i mean he's I just, a guy i'm curious about that That's yeah all. but i i mean i know that the fans love him in tennessee the coaches love him in tennessee the players love him they're just frustrated because of a lack of 10 11 12 win seasons they they're getting their nine on a regular basis but it, it he can bring that culture to pittsburgh 
man, that that is a beautiful landing spot for him. Well, maybe that'll be the case for him. We shall see. Coming up next, it's time for the West Coast Bias, and we will dive into the Seahawks, who have been playing sensational. And the guy who is the MVP frontrunner right now, Russell Wilson. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. It's time for some West Coast flavor. Wrong side! Left side! Yes, this is the center of the football universe. Don't oversell it. I'm not selling anything. Come on, stop milking it. I had an ear in my lungs. I'd scream at you. This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1017 here on your Sunday morning. Just a couple more segments to go till we let you go for the rest of your Sunday. West Coast Bias time means it is time to chat about some Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. So I think it was three or four weeks ago the questions started coming in about from Jesse and from others about is Russell Wilson like the second best or maybe even the best quarterback in the NFL? And I remember going, oh, I don't think so quite yet. I think he might be top five, but you got Mahomes, and I'll still give Brady that that love, even though he's he's getting older and not exactly as exciting as he has been, at least in the regular season, uh, so far to start this year. But uh, yeah, I was willing to give him a little bit of credit and so, say, yeah, maybe top five guy, but after the last couple of weeks, he continues to impress and will his team to wins in the fourth quarter with sensational play after sensational play and keeping the, the play alive with his feet and, you know, pinpoint accurate throws in the back of the end zone and all sorts of incredible feats when you watch him play. And I think what... Well, I think what the, the biggest issue is for him, for people to accept him as maybe the best quarterback in the league or at least the top two or three guy permanently, is the fact that the way he doesn't doesn't look like a prototypical top quarterback in the league, right? He doesn't necessarily stand in the pocket forever and, and throw a, a great deep ball all the time. I mean, he is a guy who moves constantly. Some of that is because his offensive line hasn't been great in his career but others is that that's how he finds his success. So I think people look at that and go like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's kind of all over the place, and he just he gets lucky. I don't think that's the case. I think it's all a method to the madness of, of Russell Wilson. And, I mean, say what you will about maybe passing yards, not ever really getting more than 250 per game, but he's a touchdown machine, man. He throws for four touchdowns. He rushes for touchdowns. He is the Seattle Seahawks. He is the Seahawks, and I think without him, this team sucks, and with him, they're amazing, and I think that's, that's such a huge difference. He's been incredible this year and absolutely is the number one guy in the MVP conversation right now, in my opinion. I'm sorry, Christian McCaffrey. I, I, don't, I don't know how you couldn't look at it and go, well, if he was throwing the ball as many times as Patrick Mahomes, he couldn't do the same thing. Like, th- this guy's – I mean – do we know that for sure? Because he never had to. Exactly. But look at what he he is. But that's the thing, though. He's so hyper efficient with his throws. Like, this is a guy that, that I mean, they have the same mentality as Minnesota. They want to run the crap out of the ball, and they don't want um, they don't want Wilson really throwing the ball more than 30 times a game. It, it, I think their ideal number for him is about 25 times a game if they could, right? Yeah, I think so. He's, they want to run the football. but and, and that's why he's throwing for 280 yards and four touchdowns a game, basically. It's because he's only getting like 
25, 30 pass attempts a game. You have guys like how many pass attempts did Kyler Murray have in his first game? He had like over 60 pass attempts. You have guys that are going absolutely insane. How, I, I would say uh, Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I'm pretty sure he has about 40 pass attempts a game. I will look it up for you. So you're, you're thinking about how if if you averaged another 10, 12, 15 pass attempts a game uh, uh, into Russell Wilson's numbers, what do those numbers look like? 380 and, and six touchdowns a game? I'm just saying, like, he doesn't have the same opportunities that a guy like Patrick Mahomes has, but he's so hyper-efficient with the hyper opportunities he has. It's just when you do the math on it, if he was to get 10 more, 12 more, 15 more uh, chances a game, his numbers would be insane. So Mahomes, I don't have the actual average. I'm just doing it quickly based on what I'm seeing here. Average is about 37 attempts per game. All right. And let's, uh, uh, Russell Wilson uh, right. Right. averages. I'm going to go ahead and remove the week three game against the Rams because that was, and we'll get to that in a second, but he, he threw the ball 50 times that game. Uh, without that, he's averaging about 28 throws per game. So about 10 attempts, 10, almost 10 less. Now with the 50, I'm sure that will shoot that average up if you're getting the, the, the pure average of it. But, um, he he's averaging about 10 attempts less per game than uh is that Edmonds getting another touchdown yep. for you? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's nice. Elegant over here. Um he's getting 10 temp attempts less per game than Patrick Mahomes. But what we saw in that game against the Saints when he had to throw the football 50 times, he threw for 406 yards. Two touchdowns, no picks. Also in that game ran for two touchdowns. So when you give him the chance to be the guy, now they lost that game. So, but they know. didn't do that. You know, you know when all those attempts came, the fourth quarter. Yeah. I was I was running that the board for that game. Like it was still like I'm gonna get like 55, 60% running up until they were like, well, crap. I guess we gotta let Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson. And then all of a sudden, it's like they got back in the game. Yeah. So if you give him now, I don't think Pete Carroll will ever do this because Pete Carroll wants to establish the run. That's one of his mantras, yep. and he wants to, you know, really kind of take some time management part of the game and then wind the clock down. I get it. But if you just maybe unleashed him for more Patrick Mahomes level attempts, because if you think about it, I think if you hear he's averaging about 37 attempts a game, that's less than you'd think for Mahomes, right? But that's because Andy Reid's a good off, uh, offensive coordinator, good offensive mind. And he wants to run the football. He wants balance. He wants to establish the run, but he knows he has Mahomes. The games he loses, by the way, are the games he doesn't establish the run. If Patrick Mo or if Russell Wilson is given a little bit more freedom to throw the ball, I'm not going to say 10 more times, five to six to seven more times a game, just how much better do you think they would be, the Seahawks? I think a ton better. And they're already really good. But he is so good when he's given a chance to run that offense his way. I mean, even what was the last game where he said that his headset broke and he called an entire drive himself and, oh, guess what, they scored a touchdown? Right. I mean, he's that good. He's that smart. He's that able to do it. Unleash him a little bit more. You said the same thing with Arroyo this year. Unleash Herbert. You have Herbert. Let him – I know you want to establish the run. I know that's part of your mantra. But let him be Justin Herbert. And I feel the same way about Pete Carroll. Let Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson more than when you're losing and need him to be Russell Wilson. Yeah, it's it's – I I love Pete Carroll because honestly he calls a game the way I I truly believe the the game of football is made to be played and that's why you have a, a a team every year like last year what do we think this is a non-competitive one of the worst teams of the football that that, that team made it to the playoffs but same same thing this year coming in we're like I don't know man they didn't do a lot of 
Change, yeah, Russell Wilson just he he takes teams to another level. The way I hate saying this because I honestly I hate the Seahawks and Russell Wilson does get under my skin. He reminds me so much of Peyton Manning, except mobile. He reminds me of Peyton Manning, but mobile, like How in so? a better he the he's the 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 way he's he's able to play the game, read the defense before it happens. He. He, the, the, like the intelligence level, the is intelligence kind of level, except except he's he's mobile and he throws a better ball. Like like he's Peyton Manning, but he's got the physical tools that Peyton Manning never had. Does that make sense? Yes, and, absolutely. And, and so that's what's scary about him. And I'm like, man, if if he literally was able to throw the ball 37, 38 times a game, man, that would be. It's not the way to play the game of football. And I know because I I honestly think you get into the into the playoffs you need a strong running game if you want to win like it, it's so hard i think to win just based off of a ha- pass happy attack man if you let him do that dude that guy's easy 5600 yards man easy i i think and he's st- and that's the funny thing is he still might win the mvp this year without those numbers right, right. like he's a guy who at this point is number one or number two if you want to give it to mccaffrey which i understand in mvp voting and he's throwing the ball 28 times a game and he's not going to get those numbers because he doesn't have the opportunities, but yet he does the most with his opportunities and still gets the Seahawks into the, into he's the end zone. Completing over and, and 70% of his passes this year. I mean, he's just so dang good. And uh, who are the receivers on that team? Who's the true number one on that Tyler receiver? Lockett. Tyler Lockett's a true number one? Yes. I don't think he's a true number one. Well, I he think is he's on making, that team. He is on that team. Exactly. It, it, exactly. I, I think of a guy like Pierre Garçon. Right in in Indy, he looked really good with Peyton Manning. He's pretty good when he didn't have, but he was really good with Peyton Manning. That's what I'm saying. Wilson takes guys. It's the same thing like the elite players do. Uh, like we've seen this time and time again, and it has to be more and more and more lately with a guy like Aaron Rodgers. But where you're taking guys, nobodies, and you're elevating them and turning them into what appears to be wide receiver ones. I think Tyler Lockett's a little better than you're giving him credit for. From when I watch him and. Maybe this isn't exactly a, a great comparison just because they're they're both fairly young in their careers, but he kind of reminds me of Cooper Cup. He's just always open, right? He runs his routes so or his routes, routes sort of even would say. I got made fun of for saying roots last week, by the way. You can say the word both ways, guys. Uh, he can run his routes. He runs them so well. He always finds himself open. When you're watching Tyler Lockett play, he's always finding the soft spot in the zone, and he's fast, right. and he plays on the inside so he can outrun certain cornerbacks uh, as well. So I think I think he's really good, but obviously Russell Wilson being his quarterback makes him that much better. I I, I get where you're saying. I I see that comparison. I don't think Jared don't Goff think, makes Cooper Cup better. Well, Cooper Cup's not a number, true number one. He might be the guy with the best numbers. The best, but he's but, considered their number one right now. Yeah, right? but he doesn't see the number one coverage. Now the one thing that that Lockett does is often Lockett does see number one coverage because he is technically the number one in that offense. Every once in a while it goes to DK or something, but. Uh, you know, because they like to run Lockett out of the slant, slot and justifiably slow. So he's really good over the middle. But but in, in reality, I, if you take Lockett and you put him on 25 other teams in the NFL, is he a number one receiver? No. I don't think he is. I think with the creativity of the offense that you can get um, with Pete Carroll, the play action, the running game, all that stuff together – and then you have a guy like Russell Wilson. He elevates Lockett, who I think is a high-end number two. I think if he's your number two on a team, you're really happy. But I think on most teams, if he's your number one, you're going, oh, 
I don't know. Well, we got this text. He goes, you really think that if Seattle became a passing team, they'd have success? I think you're missing something here. No, we're not saying to become a passing team. No, Given, not at all. Giving him, and I'm not saying 10 more. I'm saying five or six more passes a game. Just giving him the opportunity to do a little bit more. And the, and the reason I say that is Seattle, in the current iteration of the way they run their team, plays down to their opponent and is always in close games against bad teams. Now, some years that means they win them a lot, right? And some years they lose them a lot. Some right. years you get really disappointed. You're like, oh, my God, the Seahawks are losing. To, like last week, they almost lost to the Browns last week, right? right? Uh, they didn't, so it's a moot point, but they almost did. Week one, they almost lost to the Bengals, who were still without a win at this point in the season. Um, if you give Russell Wilson a little bit more leash to be the guy, I'm not sure you have as many scary games against those bad teams because you're not trying so hard to force the run to work when sometimes it's just not working. Well, it's that. And I think that's you, – you want to you have balance. Jesse said it. You want to be balanced. You want to be able to run the football. And I think that will always be part of the Seahawks game plan as long as Pete Carroll is their head coach. And they've got a really good running back in Chris Carson, who's a very good number one bell cow running back in this league. But you have maybe the best quarterback in the NFL, and you just want to – just want to maybe unlock them a little bit more. That's all. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, it, we're not at all saying this needs to turn into a pass happy team. In fact, I've said many reasons as to why the style of football that they play is a good style of football, but I agree. I think that they, at times, because they so much want to play that hard nose football, that, that physical brand of running between the tackles and forcing that ball down the defense's throats. Sometimes the, they're not as quick to adjust the pat to the passing game when that philosophy is not working. And I think that's all that we're basically saying is if you, if you transition to more of a passing game, when you're finding out that, okay, it, it didn't work in the first half and you come out in the second half, you're like, we're going to make a couple adjustments, see if that helps the running game. And it still doesn't work, which this has happened with the Seattle Seahawks. They continue to run the ball. Whereas guess what? Russell Wilson's still been really effective with his limited pass attempts let's amp those up a little bit more because that's what's working today and they just don't do it in in those close games until it's too late so that that game where he passed for over 400 yards that transition came too late in the game and that's i think the number one problem with pete carroll is he does fall in love with that philosophy so much he's not willing to change uh the philosophy soon enough in a game Keep your thoughts coming in at the Better You Today text line at 55305. Adam Thielen just made it a sensational catch, but also looks hurt after doing so. Uh, sensational catch, dragged both feet and is down, and Kirk Cousins was calling for someone to come out and talk to him. So uh, we'll keep you updated on that. And uh, coming up next, though, we have Hate It or Love It. But first, Jesse has SportsCenter. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. That music means it's time for Hate It or Love It. Rashad's not here, so that means by default I will win. Hooray! And, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm also partially distracted because I'm watching Red Zone as I talk. And we'll just do that right now. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Thank you. Our, our winner today, not Rashad. Not Rashad. He's hanging his head right now because he's listening. And not, he's, like, he's definitely not listening. He's like, no, he didn't get the win. I wasn't there. But but when you're not here, he'll take the win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, 
Uh, let's get going. What do you got for me today, Jesse? All right. Well, uh, let's stay with something that won't get me salty yet. Because we're, we're going to definitely get into the salty business of Jesse's mind here, here pretty soon. I've already heard the salt about John Elway. Ooh, Very yeah. angry. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, you previewed some saltiness coming later. Oh, I knew it was coming. <laughs> um, so there are a couple bad bad teams in the nfl right now uh, obviously everybody knows about the miami dolphins we knew this coming into the season they literally like telegraphed their entire play um in the off season and uh basically uh josh rowan has no josh rosen has no chance to be a starting quarterback a real starting quarterback in this league uh that that's not where i'm going with this anyways I, not even it's not even about miami it's mostly about bad teams anyways uh the one team that I don't think really we saw being as bad as they truly are that hasn't been this bad in some time and actually in in fact has been kind of a in the hunt for the playoffs type team for quite a while in the Cincinnati Bengals are 0 and 6 and they are bad they are really bad now I don't know if this is just coaching they got a young rookie head coach i i'm not exactly sure what's going on. i don't know if it's the quarterback because andy dalton's been perfectly average and sometimes below average his entire career i don't know if it's the offensive line that's just total trash or the defense that's trash or just the team that's absolute trash but one thing that they have decided they are not going to do before the trade deadline is trade aj green a mm. uh, player that's already said he doesn't really want to come back to cincinnati love or hate the Bengals need to trade A.J. Green and get something for him. Oh, that's love for sure. I mean, the season's losses. You start 0-6, you're done, right? I mean, there's no coming back from that. And look, I, I actually don't think the Bengals are as bad as the 0-6 indicates. And I think that's a tough thing. You lose by one to the Seahawks, you lose by four to the Bills, you lose by three to the Cardinals, and you lose by a touchdown or six, sorry, to the Ravens. I mean, those are close games. And in some of those cases against teams like the Seahawks and the, and the Ravens against good teams. So it's not like you are, it's not like you're the Dolphins and it's not like you're the Redskins where you're losing by what feels like 30 points a game, right? So I don't think they're that bad and I'm not 100% sure why they're this bad either. And I don't want to put it all on Zach Taylor yet because he's a new head coach. So he was given this situation and he's trying to fix it. But yes, absolutely, you should trade AJ Green. AJ Green, when healthy, is still a very good wide receiver. He used to be a tier one wide receiver during the heyday of his career that's not the case anymore uh, but he is still very good and reliable and a lot of teams who are in the playoff hunt could use him as a a second good wide receiver on that team i think uh, do you tell me philly wouldn't love a guy like that oh, i mean i mean any any team in a playoff hunt i mean dallas would love a guy like that right san francisco san francisco would absolutely love a guy like that if they had someone to throw him to him and jimmy garoppolo isn't really that guy but yeah san francisco needs a wide receiver and i could see aj green being the number one on that team absolutely but if you're if you're in a situation you're going to be losing like this, I mean you you get as many assets as you can to try to rebuild as quickly as you can, and I mean Cincinnati doesn't want to trade a bunch of their guys because they've got some good young talent to be honest. I mean I think Joe Mixon's a good running back. He hasn't had a very good year. I think some of that is the offensive line's not very good. Right. Um, I think Boyd is a good wide receiver. I think Tate's showing that he's a pretty good wide receiver. So I think you've got options moving forward. And yeah, you're kind of stuck with Andy Dalton. He's not bad. He's not great. He's just kind of average, and that's okay. Uh, you obviously would like a better quarterback than him, but for now, I think it's fine. Get as many assets as you can for the guys that you can trade. 
like A.J. Green and use them on an offensive line and use them on positions of need, and it'll be fine. Yes, I know he's been a Bengal for his whole career. That's okay. You can let him go. Love. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely uh, loving that one as as well. I just, um, I, I think it's an absolute travesty and mistake when franchises refuse to look at their situation and go, we, us needing to get better is more important than us keeping one really good player or a couple really good players. So I, I also very much agree with that. I think, I think AJ Green wants a new scenery. I think he would like it this year as opposed to next year. And uh, I know there's a playoff team that would love to have him on their team and the Bengals stink and they need assets and they need to get better. And that's the best way is through the draft when you're a team like the Bengals and you don't sign free agents. Now, all right, uh, moving on. Um, the Panthers, this is like a one of those teams where typically they are either really good and they are going to the playoffs or they've been either really bad and they haven't been making the playoffs. There's never been really too much in between. Now, the, the one thing that's different this year is Cam Newton, all those injuries, finally taking a toll, has that Liz, Liz Frank injury, has shoulders injuries now, and he he's not playing. It's been the Kyle Allen show, undrafted rookie. Kyle Allen been leading the Panthers to, to victory with proficient passing. Love or hate, we've seen the last of Cam Newton this season. Oh, there have been reports of him possibly coming back and practicing next yeah, week. Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm going to say hate because, well, he's Cam Newton and he's your however many million dollar man that you have there now. I don't think they should start him again because I think what you've seen with Kyle Allen is a guy who can actually throw the football. And the, and, I, and I don't say that as a, as a slight against Cam Newton. I say that as a, his shoulder injury is too bad where he has not been able to throw the football accurately since he hurt his shoulder. He he was He's never been right since that injury so and you saw it earlier this year before he hurt his foot he just doesn't have the arm strength anymore that he used to that used to be his calling card he could run obviously but his arm strength was amazing he could throw the ball over them their mountains over there in the distance uncle rico and i just don't know if he can do that anymore i think he he either has to learn how to be a different quarterback a la peyton manning when he lost feeling in his fingers and had to change his style Maybe he needs to change a team that knows how to use him in a, in a kind of a more conservative way. I don't know if Cam Newton can play like that. Um, I think so to get to my point, I think the Panthers will likely give him time again because, well, they're the Panthers and they want to give Cam Newton another chance. But I don't think they should because Kyle Allen has been really, really good. Yeah, no, this is one of those things where uh, Cam Newton's never been a cerebral quarterback. It, he's he's been a big physical bruiser. He's been a guy that if you get on the three yard line goal to go situation, like it, you just can't stop him. But he's not that guy anymore. And if you're going to turn him into a cerebral pocket passing quarterback, we saw it against uh, Tampa Bay week two. Dude's just overthrowing receivers left and right. He he doesn't have the accuracy to be a cerebral quarterback. I don't. I, I'm not going to say he's a, a bad quarterback. He doesn't know how to read defenses because I think at that level, at you know how to read a, a defense proficiently enough. But he's not a Peyton Manning that's going to be able to understand what everything, every aspect that the defense is throwing at him before the snap is is being done. You know, so it's you've got, I think, the best out of Cam Newton that you were ever going to get. I think from here on out, 
it's downhill. It, it reminds me of Dante Culpepper, right? Like Dante Culpepper for eight years, roughly six, seven years, was a really good quarterback. Tore his ACL. A couple teams later, he's out of the league. It's just once the the, the style quarterback with him, once that goes up, dude, the play goes down. Play goes down. Let's do one more. One more? Yeah. All right. Um, well, you want to do the Elway one? Uh, we're going to go to Don't LA. get too angry. We only all have right. a couple no, no, minutes. No, no, no. Okay, so so we all know. We all know that uh, the uh, basically what it comes down to, Denver, they, they, there's two paths they can take. You can keep looking in the mirror and seeing what you want to see, or you can look in the mirror and you can see what's actually there. Currently, John Elway is seeing what he wants to see, and that's resulting in losses and losses and losses and more losses. Um, and you have you, you can look at that mirror and you can go, we need to – we need to play Drew Locke, and we need to see what we have because there are a handful of quarterbacks that can change a franchise coming in this next draft, and we need to know if we're going to draft them. Thing is, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's just going to keep forcing Flacco out there after the um, Drew comes back from IR. I think that's going to be a mistake, and this team's going to be just a mess, and we're not going to know what we have. Love or hate, John Elway is going to lose his GM title at the end of the season. That doesn't mean he's not going to be the president of operations. He's just going to lose his GM title at the end of the season. Uh, I hope so. Because he sucks at being a general manager. <laughs> now, John Elway is a legend in Denver and multiple time Super Bowl winner. And when you're a legend, you get way more leash than, than you should. But I understand. I understand why. And if you are the, the front office of this team, you owe a lot to John Elway for, for putting Denver in a position to be a good franchise moving forward. But John Elway has proven time and time again that he doesn't really know what he's doing as a GM. He doesn't have it as a GM. Doesn't know how to pick a quarterback. Has missed on almost every quarterback pick. The only success he's had since he became GM of the team is convincing Peyton Manning to sign there. Which was a good move. It was a great move. But it was not his decision or scouting ability that did that. It was, oh, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And he wants to be a Denver Bronco? Okay, I can help with that. The other thing is, he, he doesn't seem to understand where the holes on this team are because he doesn't draft to fill them. I mean, the offensive line's been bad for years, and either he drafts bad offensive linemen or doesn't draft enough offensive linemen. The receiving core needs help, and he's drafted one good receiver in the last few years. So I, there's other guys who can do it better, and it all comes down to quarterback in the end. It's the most important position on the field, and he does not know how to judge quarterbacks. So, yeah, he will lose his GM title at the end of the year. Should and will. So this is going to kind of sound like blasphemy. But I, I know he's a legend. I know he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Right? This is his career numbers. 56.9% career, uh, like, completion percentage. That's not great. That's not great. 51,475 yards. That's well, good. That's fine, yeah. 7.1 yards per attempt. It's okay. Okay, whatever. 300 touchdowns to 226 interceptions. That's a lot of interceptions. <laughs> John Elway went to Super Bowls. He lived. He 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 was a quarterback in a different era, and so in his era, he was an amazing quarterback. In this era, he's god awful. All those numbers, those are like those are worse than Marcus Mariota. Yeah, he's god awful in this era of football. What makes us think he can get a quarterback? Good catch, by the way. <laughs> you were about to curse. I could tell. I don't believe he can get a quarterback. I, I, I've lost that belief. I gave him, as a Broncos fan, I've given him more than enough opportunity to prove me wrong, and he has yet to prove me wrong. 
And look, I mean, he could probably say, oh, well, Drew Locke's the answer. No, he's not. Did you watch Drew Locke in college? Drew Locke is not the answer. Did you watch Drew Locke in this preseason? Hell no, he's not the answer. He did not look good in preseason. He was terrible. And in a, in a draft coming up where you've got Tua and Herbert and Love and Fromm and all these other good quarterbacks going into the draft, you can't afford to have a guy who doesn't know what he's doing when drafting a quarterback. So, yeah, John L.A. needs to let someone else be the GM moving forward, even if he still is going to be the president of operations. All right, that's Hater to Love It. Coming up next, let's wrap up this show with a little talk about the Oregon Lottery scoreboard app here on 1080 The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. One final segment here on Football Sunday. Mike and Jesse with you today. Rashad was out due to some car trouble. Jared Goff just made a nice throw to Todd Gurley on a touchdown catch right there. A little perfect little delivery right over the shoulder. Only way, only guy who could catch it was Gurley. One of those passes where you realize why he was first overall. Like, I, I don't think Goff is great, but I think he's good. Uh, yeah, no, he. It, I think people like to hate him. It's one of those things where everything aligned for him because he could have been one of those guys that could have got ran out of the league in three years. If Jeff Fisher was his coach for his entire career, he would he would be gone. Probably, yeah. He wouldn't. He would literally. I'm pretty sure he'd be gone. I'm pretty sure. Sam Bradford's career was also ruined by Jeff Fisher. In fact, I'm pretty sure Jeff Fisher just ruined a lot of careers because he sucked at coaching. <laughs> Probably true. Oregon Lottery scoreboard app is out. Came out on, what was it, Tuesday, I believe? It, was, it came out Tuesday night. There were a lot of issues on the first day, but since, at least as far as I can tell and from what I've heard, most of those issues seem to have subsided. Um, it's the first legal betting thing that we could do in Oregon since sports action, except for what Ch- uh, Chinook wins casino opened up down at the coast. They had a, uh, had a sports book in their, in their casino over there. But in terms of those of us who want to bet on sports that are not going to drive to the coast every single time we want to do it, this has been great. Um, I've really, really enjoyed the app so far. I've, I've only put one, well, I've made two wagers, one that's in action right now, but one earlier. And I, you know, I got the win. The money showed up in my account in like a minute. I'm not kidding. I opened the app once the game went final, and I was like, oh, let's see how let's see how it goes. And as I opened it, my little bet slip went away for the bet, and then I watched the money go up in the account, and I was like, look at that. It worked perfectly. Uh, there's options for everything except for college. They have yet to put college in the app. They've said they're going to look at it in the future. I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure why they didn't do it. I think in part probably because you have two major universities in this state, and there, there might be a little bit of a nerves of starting this and then including betting on their games right away. But I do think you'll probably get college betting coming again in the, in, in the future. I think the biggest... It's just fun. The biggest obstacle there is the reason we got rid of everything in the beginning was because the NCAA wanted it gone in order to bring the tournament Right, here. but the NCAA got rid of that rule. Yeah. I, I, I just think that if you're a state-run organization like the Oregon Lottery, I think there's probably a little bit of like a political game of you don't want to upset the universities that are in the state right. uh, by putting betting in right away. But think about... Think about it this way. We are in a state that loves college football more than anything else. Think about the amount of money that 
the Oregon lottery slash that can be used into the to put in for the state of Oregon could make on college football betting and college basketball as well. I think I think it will come. It just will come after a while when when there's been proven success of the app. And so far, once the issues issues got ironed out, it's working really well. And you can bet on literally everything. They have like Korean volleyball on there. They've got handball. They've got cricket. If I mean, if you want to be a real degenerate, you can do all that kind of stuff. Or you know, you can the, you can put a one dollar bet down if you want. If you want to do a minimum bet, great. It's just a little fun, little little extra fun to have some skin in the game. One extra dollar, right? One dollar. You're gonna become a professional better now. You're Am gonna, I? Yeah, like six months now. You're gonna be like, sorry guys, I just I'm, really I turn, raked it I in. Turns I'm, I'm out of here. This. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I've, I've, for me, this is the it's it's a new frontier for me. I've only done I've only laid a couple of bets in my life, and they've all been in Vegas, and. Uh, so this is kind of a new frontier for me. So I'm interested to see how it goes. And I'm not putting big money in. Trust me, I'm not. I can't afford to put big money in there. Uh, but it's fun to have a couple bucks on some of these games and uh, see what happens. So uh, let's go Niners minus nine and a half. Although so far that has not uh, been the case in a very rainy Maryland right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, 10 points. They can win by 10 points still. Clock running there, too, with that running game. Just just working that clock both those teams well the redskins won't score so as long as the niners can get some points on the board i'll be happy <laughs> uh, anyway thanks so much for listening if you missed any of the show it'll be on the lush up tires podcast on 1080thefan.com and radio.com and the radio.com app we are out again next week due to another early seahawks game seahawks next week uh, i'm going to double check for you quickly have another 10 a.m. game against the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. So we'll be off next week. We'll be back on Sunday, November 3rd from 9 to 11 a.m. Good luck in your fantasy weeks. Good luck to your favorite teams. And good luck in betting if you're doing that as well. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! Arr. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.